Welcome to Whitestone Podcast from the Whitestone Forum. This podcast is for business and nonprofit leaders like you and me, specifically designed around building, polishing, and leveraging our competencies. Each episode will provide a lens through which ever-growing citizens of God's kingdom can think about very effectively impacting every one of their organizations. For Whitestone Podcast, I'm Kevin Miller. John Boyd, ace fighter pilot, real-world cutting-edge aircraft designer, teacher of the already elite, groundbreaking strategist, antagonistic military misfit who ultimately helped change that very military. Robert Corum, Boyd's primary biographer, captures his truly unique story engagingly and exquisitely. Colonel Boyd was a complex, fault-ridden, yet still amazing man, someone who impacted multiple spheres that he was appointed to in very unusual ways, several times while being a virtual outsider with regard to those spheres. This podcast episode on bad blockers is part of a series on Boyd that follows several episodes about Boyd. For example, building snowmobiles, being relentlessly curious to completion, Designing for Stewardship, and Redesigning War in the Modern Era. Go listen. In this current episode, Boyd captures our attention because of his handling of the blockers. That's blockers spelled with a capital B. The blockers. Every enterprise of any real size has blockers. And boy, oh boy, what a frustration some blockers can be for customers, employees, and even the executives who oversee vital portions of the very enterprise where blockers often thrive. Everyone has experienced the exasperation of dealing with blockers over and over. But let's start with a real positive. Certain blockers are rightly put in place for the safety, security, and thriving of the enterprise. Cybersecurity experts, for example. So all blockers are not bad or evil. What an impatient customer or internal worker disparages as an unnecessary obstacle may serve a vital purpose for the enterprise. But many bad blockers who hurt the enterprise are self-appointed or officially backed by poor leaders. Of course, pretty much everyone who's a blocker, whether truly a good blocker or a bad blocker, supposes that they are doing an essential service. Some of these bad blockers enjoy the power they hold to shut down others. But others are simply fearful that the initiative of others will hurt their career or political positioning in the organization. And the quantity of bad blockers seems to be expanding significantly within the bureaucracy of many organizations. In fact, It's accurate to say that blockers are a major, very costly fact of typical daily workplace life. And in bad times, it can get worse than ever. For example, how many times in 2020 did you hear the phrase, due to COVID-19, you can't? (laughs) So let's look at two times Boyd was involved with blockers. Story number one. Boyd's EM theory. Officer Boyd requested significant computer time to run scenarios 
for developing and testing a key theory. But the civilian in charge of doling out the computer time had decided Boyd's use of computer time was not worthy. Multiple requests all declined. So Boyd found a way to use the computer anyway. Well, Boyd's ultimate work product that resulted, what's now called Boyd's famous EM theory, well, that theory was utilized by the U.S. Air Force to make many constructive changes. Well, it was obvious that Boyd couldn't have formulated and tested his EM theory without significant computer time. An anonymous person alleged Boyd stole $1 million of computer time from the government, something that could cost Boyd everything, his job, his pension, the whole banana. Accordingly, an official government inspector general was duly appointed and... Appointing an inspector general is serious business in government circles. But operating under the presumption Boyd did use the computers, the inspector general couldn't find a thing. Finally, the inspector general told Boyd so, and under agreement that Boyd wouldn't be held accountable for something the government couldn't find or prove, Boyd documented the whole story. His request from the blocker, the blocker's vetoes of his requests, and then the very fruitful use of his work product by the U.S. Air Force. The Inspector General indeed reported that Boyd was not culpable, the U.S. Air Force was well served, and the civilian blocker was at fault. Now that's classic. First, a blocker empowered to stop fruitful work. Second, an anonymous disgruntled whistleblower. Third, the rule breaker like Boyd threatened with career-ending consequences, even though his breaking the rule was highly fruitful for the organization, and a search for the guilty by an appointed authority. Now that's an expensive, stressful, blocker-initiated event that actually ended well for Boyd. But how many others are intimidated into not doing the right thing because of blockers and their ability to force consequences like an inspector general investigation? How many times does a would-be initiator of breaking rules simply give up because the rules are too formidable or the consequences are just too forbidding? This is an all-too-common hidden cost of allowing bad blockers and then fostering or even rewarding them. And talk about dampening the human spirit of innovation. Now, story number two, The Bradley. One of Boyd's disciples named Jim Burton became nationally known as he challenged the Army's testing of the Bradley personnel carrier, an Army tank. The Army essentially wanted the Bradley badly and ran a testing process that the military inspector Burton wasn't buying. So Burton soon became a thorn in the side of key people in the Pentagon weapons procurement establishment. Boyd was a veteran of such battles and tutored Burton as to three guiding principles. First, Burton could never be wrong on any technical point, any time, ever. If he was, his essential aura of competence would be breached. Second, Burton must attack the testing process, not the important product itself. Why? This would work to keep the focus on saving American soldiers' lives, 
taking the moral high ground. Third, Burton must not talk to the media. He must stay in the bounds of the system. Why? Because the blocker's PR apparatus would attack Burton as just another political hack. When Burton's process pressed in too close for comfort, the Army orchestrated Burton's transfer to Alaska. Understandably, Burton was ready to fold his cards regarding his entire career. But then Boyd shifted gears and convinced Burton to copy his files on the project and properly send that unfavorable research and findings throughout the Pentagon, knowing full well that someone would talk to the press, leaking the findings that were unflattering to the Army. That last-ditch move revived the cause. But then a two-star general called Burton at his home. Your work is going to save countless lives, the general told him. But the general also said his job demanded that he attack Burton publicly the next day. By the end of this convoluted story, Burton was vindicated, and Congress heard testimony concerning the Army's sordid mess. Burton, chewed up personally by the blockers, left military service. Now that's the power of blockers binding together to thwart reform. And that's a prime example of blockers at work like we all have experienced, but this time with lives at stake. However, here's a twist, an epilogue with an opposing opinion. Some military observers claim reformers like Boyd and Burton were overly zealous, counting Boyd and Burton as bad blockers themselves regarding key military programs. You see, whether someone is a good blocker or a bad blocker is often in the eyes of the beholder, including in the Bible. Just think of the story of Esther. Haman was certainly a bad blocker regarding the Jews in Esther's day. He wanted them all exterminated. But Haman viewed that Mordecai and Esther were actually the bad blockers of his plans. Mordecai and Esther, however, were simply doing two things, living peaceably in the roles that God called them to steward, and then standing up with boldness when a tough season arose. God ultimately honored them for their necessary good blocker boldness. Then take the Pharisees. Jesus was a huge threat to the Pharisees' entire way of life. He seemed to be a blocker of their religious prestige and power. And when these bad blockers of God's will couldn't corral Jesus' followers, they played the political card, enlisting the authorities to take action against Jesus all the way to the cross. But of course, Jesus rose from the dead, and the bad blockers' plans were thwarted. A real lesson for every Jesus follower. Now we must remember that key blockers are rightly in place for the safety and security of those both inside and outside the enterprise. But many bad blockers are actually championed by poor leaders or are often simply self-appointed, either loving the power they hold to shut down others, or fearful that new initiatives will hurt their career or political positioning.
So the reality is there are good blockers and bad blockers. We must have the wisdom to discern the difference and then the courage to act. So what about you? As a leader, are you reinforcing bad blockers to the serious detriment of your enterprise? Thank you for listening to Whitestone Podcast. Visit our website, whitestone.org, for more real-world equipping. There you'll find uncommon video teachings, application and action questions for this podcast episode, and more. Also, check out our unique downloadable resources for group meetups. That's whitestone.org. I'm Kevin Miller.